Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Things That Charlie Did. Chapter 3. The plan was simple. Charlie goes to this bizarre little place in Mexico and uses whatever he can to find a phone line to fax me his work in progress, and he comes home when he's finished. No way was this going to work, but I had nothing to lose to try. Retirement, you know. So my first order of business was to purchase a fax machine that could be used wirelessly through a cell phone and a regular phone line as well. Hopefully there would be some way for him to at least use one of these methods to deliver his rough drafts. Besides, I was a little worried about him and felt like it was important to communicate. Since he was paying for the trip, I offered him the company jet to Mexico City, but he refused, insisting on flying commercial. So one Saturday morning, we loaded up my car with his now brand new fax machine and two small suitcases and headed toward Los Angeles for his flight to Mexico City. Now this is where the story I want to tell you really, really starts. It was so noticeable that Charlie was nervous in the car that morning. Something that at first didn't make much sense to me until I had a chance to think about it. He was going to do something he'd never done before. A rare thing for Charlie. Think about it. The place he was going to couldn't be further away from the culture he had come to find himself smack dab in the middle of. What's more, the people there weren't going to care who he was. They could care less, actually. Is this what he was looking for? Was this the environment he needed in order to finish his book? Well, I certainly had my doubts, but it did seem to be what he was looking for, as strange as it may seem. He insisted on being dropped off in front of LAX without any fuss. There wasn't going to be any help with the luggage or waiting with him until the plane took off. No, none of that. He just wanted to be a regular Joe, so I obliged. It was kind of humorous to see him lumbering off with his own luggage in his hands. It's doubtful he had carried his own suitcases in many years. And so that's the last time I saw Charlie before he went to Mexico. What I didn't know until later was that from the moment Charlie walked into the airport that day, he wrote down in detail everything that happened to him. It's from these notes that I'm able to tell you this story. He was on time for his flight. Believe me, I saw to that. Retirement, you know. Anyway, he still rushed through the airport and checked his bags. Aero Mexico was on time. Surprisingly, but that's what his notes say. All kinds of people were noted as being on the flight that day. Couples from America off on an adventure to Mexico City. Mexican nationals simply going home or to visit relatives that somehow made the decision not to move to the broken promised land. Old, young, bored, those nervous about flying, they were all there. Charlie's seat was in coach. It wasn't like he couldn't afford first class, but for some reason he didn't want to. The flight from Los Angeles to Mexico City was only a few hours, but landing there was only the first part of his journey. The village of his ultimate destination was so remote that it was impossible to make advanced plans. He figured
feared that once he got to Mexico City, he might be able to make a little bit of progress in that area. According to the maps he had, the village of San Miguel looked to be about 250 miles south of the world's largest city. Deep in the mountainous jungles of central Mexico was a place Charlie had never been to, but he was headed there. The airport in Mexico City was extremely busy. People scurried quickly by going in and out of all directions, speaking Spanish to their friends and acquaintances as they walked. This was going to be a problem. His Spanish was very, very limited. The way he figured it, though, he'd be able to find someone to interpret when he needed it. And he needed it right off the bat, too. It seems that trying to rent a car was much harder than he had originally thought. The woman working at the Olay Rental Car Company couldn't speak a lick of English. How is it that someone works for a rental car company in a major international airport and doesn't speak English? The woman just looked at him with a puzzled look. He was frustrated, and he hadn't been on the ground in Mexico for 30 minutes yet. Carro, rolling the R and adding an O to the word along with it, saying it louder. That should work, right? The woman at the counter just looked at him and shrugged her shoulders. Finally, the man standing in line behind Charlie came to the rescue. It's doubtful that he did it out of the goodness of his heart. It was probably more out of impatience with what he was seeing take place in front of him. Charlie was becoming increasingly agitated and rude, while the pretty young, brown-eyed Mexican girl was shrugging her shoulders and looking confused. The man in line behind Charlie looked American but spoke perfect, unbroken Spanish. And in no time, Charlie was signing the rental agreement and being given the keys to his rental car. As he walked away, he could have swore he heard the pretty young Mexican girl with the brown eyes say, stupid American jerk, in perfect English, while laughing along with the man who had helped him. He didn't turn around, though. It was hard, but he just let it go. San Miguel, he said out loud. There was never much tolerance in him for that sort of thing. You know, people playing those sort of little games. So, Charlie had a short temper as a result. He was known for it, too, and people in his business circle stepped easy around him because of it. Smartly, he decided it was way too early in his trip to have it run by something so stupid. He knew that if he did what he really wanted to do, which was give that girl a piece of his mind, He'd keep playing it over and over again in his mind and probably ruining his mood for days to come. Surprisingly, he was successful in letting it go. Finding the car that matched the keys wasn't near as difficult as finding the luggage. But he eventually did, not in that order, by the way. And before long, he was sitting in his new red Ford Escort with a map of Mexico City in his lap. The village of San Miguel looked to be some 50 miles from the nearest town that had a population over 100. Cuidad Norte was going to be Charlie's spot to find out information on the village and probably where he'd have to fax information back to California from. So, with the hot Mexican afternoon sun beaming through the tinted glass of the rental car, Charlie set out for Cuidad Norte. The drive was pleasant and 
showed off the countryside. The jungle became thicker the further south he drove. Tall trees grouped tightly together with thick underbrush hugged the sides of the road after he'd been driving for a couple of hours. There was also a noticeable change in the altitude. Winding through the increasingly bigger hills, Charlie felt his ears pop once or twice. The air became cooler and fresher smelling. It was a good five hours to the city of Cuidad Norte. His first impressions were not of a place that looked, well, let's just say, too urban. He hadn't expected much, but this was much less than that. The main highway he had been traveling on actually ended here, in this town, as it turned into a dirt road. Suddenly, adobe two-story buildings were on either side of the road and only slightly spaced apart. They had colors of red, beige, and yellow. No wonder he hadn't seen another car in over two hours. He slowed his car to almost nothing to keep the dust from blocking his view. A telephone line propped by a leaning telephone pole ran behind most of the businesses. A telephone line was good news. If there wasn't one in San Miguel, he could at least come back here to get information back to California. There was a gas station to his right with pumps that looked like something out of an old Andy Griffith episode on Nickelodeon. A dog sat half in the road and half in the driveway of the gas station. This would be just as good as a spot as any to stop and ask about getting to San Miguel. Besides, he needed gas anyway. He steered his car into the gas station and up alongside one of the pumps. An old-fashioned bell rang when he crossed the hose that was stretched out between the pumps to warn the worker of a customer. Charlie couldn't help thinking that everything looked like it was straight out of the 1950s, and then it dawned on him, it was. Cuidad Norte was taking its time catching up to the rest of the world. The rest of the world sure wasn't going to wait for this little town. He sat patiently waiting at the pump, expecting someone to be glad to have a customer and rushing to service his car. He was only greeted by the tan-colored mutt that had been resting half in the street and half in the driveway. Charlie rolled down the window and the dog slowly trotted around the car, sniffed a bit, but quickly lost interest and much preferred a nap right back in his original spot. By the time Charlie decided to get out and look for someone, the mutt was fast asleep. An exploration of a small office area where a calendar of a girl in a bikini was holding some auto parts was all that was needed to find the help that he was looking for. An older gentleman sat in a chair that was leaning back against the wall. His arms were folded across his greasy spirit t-shirt and his head was tilted forward. A beat up pair of leather boots were propped up on the counter where a manual cash register sat. He was lightly snoring. Dragging his feet a little in order to make a little noise, Charlie approached the sleeping man. The trick worked. When he heard the noise, the man quickly hopped up, his long, lanky legs flopped to the ground, causing his well-worn boots to thud on the dusty wooden floor. Jumping to his position at the counter, he smiled and blurted out rather lengthy sentence in Spanish, 
none of which Charlie understood. Gas. Charlie raised his voice and slowed his speech. CC, said the man. Charlie followed him out of the door of the small office and to the car, where the man quickly removed the nozzle from the pump, unscrewed the gas cap from the rear driver's side of the rental car, and started pumping the gas. Charlie needed directions from this guy on how to get to San Miguel. There sure wasn't anyone else around to ask. The language barrier was obviously going to be a problem. Charlie opened the passenger side door and grabbed the map he had of the area while the man continued to pump the gas into the thirsty tank. San Miguel? asked Charlie, holding up the map so the man could see just exactly what he was asking. The tall, graying man immediately caught on. See, he said, San Miguel. And he pointed to a small, very small dirt road that appeared to start not far from where they were at. The start of the road was visible from where they stood. Surrounding it was jungle so dense and thick that it looked as if the road was swallowed by the big leaves and lush greenery surrounding it. Now, their conversation hadn't been much to speak of, but a lot had been discovered. Namely, that San Miguel was going to be very, very small and he would be able to communicate the progress of his work to California from the town he was in now. The part about getting samples of his work home was a good thing. He began to wonder as he scanned the small town of Cuidad Norte if anything much smaller was even possible. Was he having second thoughts? Maybe. But it was much too late to turn back now. Before he left Cuidad Norte, he wanted to call me in California to let me know things were going along like we had planned. Phone? He asked the gas station attendant. See? The man understood and pointed back towards the small office where Charlie had first found him. Glancing at the meter on the gas pump, Charlie saw that it read $10.13. Now, was that dollars or pesos? Oh, well, he thought and pulled a fresh crisp 20 from his wallet. The man gladly accepted, then pointed to the office area again. They understood each other. The man put the 20 in his pocket, and presumably the use of the phone was on the house. Funny how money needs no interpreter. Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we continue with Things That Charlie Did. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.